I'm reading this morning from Luke 3, chapters 15 through 17 and 21 through 22, or verses. Um, And I'm reading from the New International Version. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So this morning our text touches on or reveals to us the, the baptism of Christ. And I want to tell you, the baptism of Jesus has always presented a bit of a conundrum uh, for the early church community. In fact, if anything, I think the Gospels are kind of an answer to this conundrum that the baptism of Jesus presents. And it, and it, go, it, it seems like this, is that, and we still ask this question quite a bit, if John the Baptist was going around preaching a baptism of repentance a baptism of being cleansed of your sins and repenting of your sins and turning toward God because the kingdom of God was coming, why is Jesus getting baptized? After all, wasn't Jesus the incarnation of God sinless before man? So it present, you can see why there's this conundrum. You can see why early theologians who had nothing better to do but to sit around and write volumes of work would spend a lot of time writing about the baptism of Jesus. And each gospel writer kind of treats this, deals with this conundrum, deals with this problem a little differently. Uh, For example, Matthew's gospel records that the baptism of Jesus is really kind of an inauguration or an initiation into the ministry that he is doing. It begins his ministry in, on the heels of, of his uh, uh, testing out into the wilderness. It really begins his ministry proper. And after the baptism, that's when Jesus, Matthew records, the dove, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit descends, Jesus is empowered, and he starts to preach the good news in Galilee. Mark's gospel seems to focus in on that that Holy Spirit that comes to Jesus and declares Jesus the Beloved in whom God is well pleased. Uh, and, and a lot of scholars look at Mark and they think, oh, well, this is, this is kind of a, a moment of adoption by God as Jesus as the Son of God in this moment when the Holy Spirit... Because Mark doesn't have a birth narrative. And so many scholars kind of look at Jesus' baptism as Mark's version of the birth narrative. That is, that is when God incarnates Christ and when Jesus becomes the Christ, if you will, and is empowered to bring this message uh, to the world. John's gospel 
simply implies that the baptism occurs. It kind of glosses over it. We barely we hear only indirect report on the from the voice of John the Baptist himself is or from the yeah the voice of John the Baptist is recorded in here. So we get John's kind of secondhand witness of uh, what had gone on here. And so, but today we're faced with Luke's version of things, and I'm, I'm left to wonder what is going on in Luke's gospel that shines light on this question of why Jesus is getting baptized by John the Baptist out in the wilderness. And I would say Luke first records that the people were filled with expectation and wonder. And what they were wondering, what they were questioning about is, is John the 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 messiah that we've been expecting and i i like to i'm interested in this phrase that the people were filled with expectation and were wondering if john was the one they were waiting for and so it makes us it makes it clear that there seemed to have been some confusion about whether or not john the baptist was actually the messiah or not and luke and in fact all the gospels uh clarify this by saying no John is not the Messiah the Messiah the one who is coming after him he's not even worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals those are the little straps they use uh, it's called the thongs of the sandals and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire and then John describes this winnowing thing and the threshing of the wheat and the chaff and separating those two things. So it's clear in the offset, the first question uh, that Luke answers is, is John the Messiah? Or is there a disagreement about John the Messiah? And Luke says, no. John himself testified that he was not the Messiah, that the Messiah was coming after him. And so we all know that that's Jesus. And so all these expectations that the people had that was directed toward John, Luke is suggesting they need to shift toward Jesus. And the people are looking for a leader. But what kind of leader would it be? And it's made clear that it's not going to be John necessarily, but one greater than John. And then here... I don't know why the lectionary does this, but the lectionary leaves out the middle section. Uh, what, what Kathy read is, he, she read the first part, and then they cut out the part where Luke explains that because of John's message, he was arrested by Herod and thrown into jail and eventually executed. And then it goes on to talk about Jesus' baptism after the fact, uh, more reflecting on what happened before. And so Luke puts this here in order to make a clear division between the end of John's ministry and the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And this, so, and this baptism of Jesus occurs right in the middle of Luke explaining that John was arrested, was thrown in jail, under the evil hand of Herod, and eventually executed. Which kind of puts a pall over Jesus' baptism a little bit. It's not, the, it's not the great joyous occasion that it seems to uh, be in other instances. It's not like here where we have 
cake and punch, you know, after with and and celebrate. But here it is, it is we're faced with the fact that after Jesus' baptism, John goes on to be taken out of the picture, and Jesus is left. John is arrested and executed by the state in the midst of all that God is doing. Jesus receives a commissioning in the middle of that to declare the kingdom of God is near. The Gospel story always reminds us that the blessings of God do not come out of nowhere. That are not, they're in a context and often in the middle of a troubled context. And John's arrest and execution is the context, or, or adds to the context in which Jesus is empowered by God's Holy Spirit, the Beloved One in whom God is well pleased. In other words, there's trouble all around us, and that's when God goes to work. Amen? There's trouble all around us. Finally, and what I think is the most significant uh, demonstration of, in particularity to Luke's gospel is that uh, is that Luke doesn't even really show us the baptism, but Jesus is baptized along with everybody else. It records here that when now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized. So all the people were coming to John and they were getting baptized. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus also was baptized. It is only after this when Jesus is praying. That's what it says. And Jesus was praying. The heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon Him in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are My Son, the Beloved, and with you I am well pleased. Jesus is baptized just like everybody else, and only when He is off praying does Jesus receive this affirmation from God. And it, unlike, unlike the other Gospels, unlike Matthew, where that is declared for everybody else, this is My Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. That's what Matthew says. Or maybe it's Mark. One of those guys. Uh, listen to Him. That's a message for everybody else. This comes to Jesus directly. You are My Son. In You I am well pleased. So it's almost like no one was there to listen. Jesus is off praying and this dove thing happens and Jesus receives this wonderful affirmation that girds Him up for his ministry ahead and prepares him for that. And it's funny that Luke takes that out, disconnects that event from his baptism. And I'm kind of fascinated because only Luke does this. He's taking this story from Mark and he changes it deliberately in order to do something. And I'm fascinated with that. And the first thing I would say is, I, especially as a Baptist, I would say that what I like about this is that is that Jesus has, 
has basically made baptism symbolic of something else that's going on. Now, if any of you have ever taken my Baptist class or have grown up Baptist, you know that we as Baptists believe all the ordinances to be strictly symbolic. In other words, there's nothing magic about the water that you get baptized in. It is a symbol of something that has already happened in your heart. And this is your, your kind of public declaration that you have chosen, that you have had this experience and are choosing to be a follow, a follower of Christ uh, in this symbolic ritual. It feels to me like Jesus is kind of doing that same thing. And it's done in the context of community. Another Baptist thing. Who knew Jesus was Baptist? I think I did. I knew that. So in the context of community, Jesus says, I am, I'm initiating myself into this community and being a part of what is going on here. Again, like I was telling the young folks, Jesus is saying, I'm one of you. I want to be a part of this community. I want to be a part of what is going on here. I want to be in your lives. I want us to be connected. I want to pray for you and I want you to pray for me. I want to walk with you and I want you to walk with me. Uh, I want to know your struggles, your sorrows, and I want you to know mine. I want you to share with me your joys, and I want you to know mine as well. Jesus' baptism here in Luke is really an act of solidarity with us. Amen? And what a blessing that is. You know, I, I, being a liberal Christian, I find myself in a lot of places where people get uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable with Jesus, but they love, they love the idea of kind of, of God. <laughs> but they get uncomfortable with Jesus. And, and to me, I, I find that fascinating because quite frankly, I find, I find the idea of God not, not particularly helpful uh, I mean, I feel that kind of spiritual umption, if you will, in my in my spirit, and I feel a connection to God. But as far as like, you know, really kind of identifying with God, no way. I mean, there's just no way for me to really relate to this kind of uh, you know spirit thing or whatever. You know, I mean, uh, God is just something that's so transcendent and so out of reach. Whereas Jesus brings it home. Amen? Jesus is someone I can relate to. Jesus who walks, who talks. Jesus who, who enjoyed a good fish and bread and didn't mind making a little wine on the side every once in a while. <laughs> Jesus who, uh, who pleads with the world, who has followers, who gets in arguments, who weeps. Jesus, someone I can really relate to. Jesus, someone I can be in community with. Because just as Jesus went into the waters and was baptized by John, Curtis was baptized by Larry (laughs) Dobson over in Clearfield Community Church. And like so many across the globe, have also been baptized into this universal community of which Jesus said, I want to be a part of that. And I want you to be a part of me.
And it ties us together with Jesus in a significant way. And I think Luke separates that out to say uh, what happens when God declares Jesus the Beloved is a unique experience that Jesus is, is receiving on the, in the context of this connection between Himself and the Father. Himself and God. In the same way, I think you and I probably have a similar way of connecting with God. That is, there is this personal exchange that happens. That probably, even when you're telling me about this, and many of you have told me a lot about your experiences and your faith journeys, even when you're telling me about it, the words don't quite articulate the experience in, in quite a right way because there really aren't the words to express it. Like a dove, the Spirit descends on Jesus and says to the voice from heaven says to Jesus himself you are my son in you i am well pleased what a what an affirming message for christ that carries with him throughout his ministry and is reiterated at the transfiguration which i won't get into because we're well i'll preach on it later uh, you know when it comes up but I dare say that this is, this is a similar affirmation that you and I have access to as well. In the context of, in this case, prayer, but whatever it is that connects you with God, whatever it is that draws you into that, that communion with the holy, whatever it is that stirs up that presence of the Almighty, of the Father, of the Creator. Whatever that is that makes you feel connected, there is an affirmation that comes as a result of that that says, you are my daughter. You are my son. You are the one I love so much. And I'm so pleased who you are. As we have here in Luke, we have the, the two crucial elements coming together. Creating an expectation. It's an amazing thing that Luke is taking. They were expecting a Messiah. A certain kind of Messiah. They thought it was John. John wasn't it. And here, Luke seems to be shifting the expectations in a different direction. What you can expect is a family. A family that you can connect to. A family that experiences your joys and your sorrows. A family that has been down a similar road, but different, but similar. A family that says, I want to be a part of you and I want you to be a part of me. A family that says, we cannot do it unless we are doing it together. 
family that says there is more room. I know our parking lot gets filled once in a while, but there's more room. Amen? There is more room. And any, anyone who needs that connection is welcome here. In fact, we, we beg. We beg those who are lost to find their way here. Amen? Well, that's what you can expect. This family. This family. And you can expect this empowerment from God. This adoption into the family of God. This declaration as one who is loved or beloved. And one who is pleasing God. By virtue of that connection. Not because you're great. Right? And some of you are okay, but not because we're great. Not because we're so wonderful. Not because we're so good at it. Not because we are so righteous. Not because we, we make all the right moves. Not because we, we, we don't sin, we don't fall short, or we don't mess up. Not because we're not ornery at times and, and persnickety. But because God loves us. Are the beloved. All you got to do to please God. Show up, right? <laughs> Make that connection once in a while so that God might be able to say to you, I'm so pleased with who you are. I, I, I wish you could get to know yourself a little better. Because <laughs> I am so pleased with who you are deep down. Connection with each other. Connection with God. The whole package. Amen? The whole package. And I, it's so interesting to see this play out in Jesus' baptism by John. It's clear that Luke is taking it in a whole other direction. Maybe it's Luke who's Baptist. <laughs> it's my prayer that today... You hear this call. This call to embrace a life in community, in family. And, you know, our way of doing that, our way of signifying that, our way that is symbolic of that is, is done through certain rituals. Baptism, uh, the altar call, uh, giving of the right hand of fellowship, all of those kinds of things. But really, it is about the connection we make with each other. Sometimes that's explicit, sometimes it's implicit, but it, it's what's needed for us to make it through this world. Amen? And it is my prayer that you nurture this relationship with God, not one of fear. God, what am I doing that's displeasing you and what can I do to fix that? Not one of, of anxiety about what's going to happen when I die. Not one of compulsion where we feel like all we got, you know, we've just got to spend all of our time trying to please God. But one of love and adoption. 
I love you so much and I'm so pleased with who you are. That's the message God has for you. It's my prayer that you find ways to hear that from them. Let us pray. Loving God, as we come to you, as we come together to you, we invite you to demonstrate yourself within this community that we might know godly love and support and care. And we also pray for the ability to hear Your voice from heaven say to us, we are beloved. You are pleased with who we are. We ask all of these things in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen.